You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as today your Indiana Hoosiers knock off the top-seeded Illinois Fighting Illini in the Big Ten Tournament 65-63 to advance to the Big Ten Tournament semifinals as we were just talking about before we went live. The first time since we've been doing this show that Indiana has won two games in the Big Ten Tournament. What a performance by Indiana today, and we'll talk about this, but that most likely punches their ticket to play in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, as we're going down the stretch of this game, they showed a picture of Mike Woodson on the sidelines. And I started thinking maybe we just need to, his nickname needs to be the exorcist because we have exercised so many demons this season from the Big Ten tournament to breaking streaks against Purdue and Illinois and Michigan. And today, you know, Trace Jackson Davis following up, you know, coming into this tournament, we talked about how, you know, this this setup poorly for Indiana going against Michigan and Illinois two really bad matchups. They're tough matchups for trace and all Indiana did was win the games and all trace Jackson Davis did was be the best player on the court, especially at least in terms of the big guys, but what a win for the Hoosiers as they make the plays down the stretch to secure this one 65 to 63. And they will play into the weekend of the Big Ten tournament. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And we're going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. And let's start this show the way we start every show. And that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner moment. And for the Banner moment, there are obviously lots of moments that we could talk about there at the very end of the game. But I'm going back about six, seven minutes left in the game. It's 57-54 Illinois, you know, and it really feels like, okay, this is a real danger zone for Indiana here. Had kind of been struggling to get good shots, and Indiana went to their big guy, Trace Jackson Davis, who found a variety of ways to score against Kofi Coburn, a guy that has dominated these matchups. But what we saw over the next two possessions was basically the evolution of Trace's offensive game right before our eyes. On the first possession, he caught it at the free throw line, caught it with one hand, and went really quick against Kofi. We've talked about that. You know, Trace, your your advantage is the quickness. And so he used that advantage before, you know, Kofi even had a chance to react, beat him, hit a little runner with his left hand, the kind of shot that has really given him trouble because it's not right at the basket. It was a huge shot, made it 57 to 56. Then Trey Galloway gets a steal with a deflection on the wing, something he has become so well-known for doing. And on the very next possession, with Kofi now giving him a little bit more space because of that quick move, Trace hits a jumper at the elbow. It put Indiana up 58-57. to And given the context of the game and the time and the score and the opponent, those were such huge buckets, not the type that Trace usually makes. And it just felt like we saw his game evolve before our eyes in such a big moment. And it was so rewarding to watch for a guy who is so talented and has produced so much, but has been so up and down for him to have the last 60 minutes of basketball that he has had and to lead Indiana on this run in the Big Ten tournament, along with Xavier Johnson and so many other guys who have played well. It has been awesome. Trace has saved his best play for these last few games for Indiana, he finishes with 21.7 boards and obviously secured that huge rebound at the end there uh, on, on uh, Andre Curbelo's miss on the layup 
uh, that secured the game for Indiana, and of course, the two free throws that put Indiana up. So anywhere you look at the end of that game, Trace Jackson Davis was making winning plays. He was spectacular, and that is your banner moment as Indiana marches on to the weekend in the Big Ten Tournament. All right, our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, now in their fifth season of sponsoring the Assembly Call, and their first as the presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network. And as you surely know, Homefield has the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you're going to find anywhere. You've got beloved logos like two different versions of the Bison, so many other awesome logos, brand marks that they pull back from the archives, breathe new life into them. And they don't just do it for Indiana, they do it for colleges across the country. They now have... 130, 140 different schools, whatever the number is. They're getting ready to release UCLA. They just did Kansas, did Villanova, a lot of you know basketball powers they've been releasing lately. It's fun to just go to homefieldapparel.com and just browse because they have so much great stuff there. And no matter what you buy, you know it will be comfortable. The colors are going to last through many washings. Plus, you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through Kelly, and there's nothing better than that. Go to homefieldapparel.com, use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, to get 15% off your first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. Again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Andy, we got to go to you first. Your bottom's line, does this put Indiana in the NCAA tournament? Well, I had a man as of this morning, so it certainly doesn't take him out. Um, (laughs) So, now I I think they... Uh, it, never say never, uh, both with this team, and, and you never know what's going to happen in other leagues. But I think certainly can breathe a little bit of sigh of relief. Another another huge win uh, on a neutral floor, so getting a couple of big wins away from home uh, is, is huge for them from that perspective. I, I, you know, TJD is certainly the storyline. Those four points he scored in that stretch you you had there were you know made the move and hit the jumper. But man, this defense start to finish uh, was outstanding, and other than Coleman Hawkins attempting to be the next Rob Wilson or whatever the hell the Wisconsin guy's name was. Um, I mean, and that, and I think that was by design. I mean, that's a guy you're going to force him to make shots and beat you. And he did in some key stretches, but, but not enough uh, to beat him. I thought they did a good job in large part on Kofi. You know, Trace kept himself out of foul trouble. There were times he really did a, a, the best job he's done in all the years he's faced him of, of really trying to push him out of the lane and not let him catch it where he can just turn and go right to the basket. And, and so I just thought defensively, uh, you know, a lot of credit to X and Rob and, and Trey Galloway, you know, those guys who really stepped it up defensively yesterday and put pressure on the ball, uh, frustrated the opponent. I thought they did the same thing today when those guys were in. And, uh, I mean, looking at the, looking at the defensive stats, they hold Illinois to 35.7% shooting for the game, wow. uh, 36.4% from three actually shot better from three than from two. Uh, and, and the free throw defense was fairly solid today as well. Uh, tongue firmly <laughs> planted in cheek there, 65%. Um, but really just a lot of fight. There were a ton of times it feels like, and this is one of those where it, we, we've talked about, you know, Woodson's keep talking about how do you, how do you get him over the hump? And it, it's no different than making shots. You start to see a few shots go down you feel better. You get over the hump in that game yesterday. And it just felt like there was a little more confidence down the stretch. They didn't take the best shots at times you know, missed some opportunities, but just kept fighting. And, and I think from start to finish, this was probably the best 40 minute defensive effort they've had over the course of the season. Um, And I think, 
you know, guys this got tired and they game. needed something to inject a little bit of life into them. I, I know I texted you guys out, I tweeted the same thing, and then like they immediately made a turnover. Uh, but but right after that, like that little 4 0 run from KD, like gave them the juice that they needed to kind of get it to the finish line there. And, uh, you know, awesome to see the guys pick each other up when they, you know, had a, you know, had to play Galloway fumbles the ball out of bounds. Everybody's just kind of going up to him. And uh, I saw somebody wrote, they talked about, Woodson called cop over after he missed those free throws and or missed the front end of that one and one and uh, just just an awesome performance and uh, and in a in a big spot and, and in a uh, circumstance that IU has not succeeded much at all <laughs> in recent memory uh, as you talked about with the the Big Ten tournament records and all that stuff so just just an awesome win so much fun to enjoy it um, I actually was glad I got to watch this one live as opposed to yesterday so. Although it was a little bit better knowing the outcome when I sat down and watched the second half yesterday than uh, probably what my heart rate would suggest that it was today. All right. Well, let's go over to Ryan and get his rumination on the game. Ryan from The Big Lead, who wrote yesterday about how Indiana found its heart. A great piece that you wrote at thebiglead.com, which everybody should read. Is there going to be a follow-up? <laughs> uh, yeah, I am going to write about it again today. I, look, what has Indiana's thing been all season that we've harped on? The last five minutes, they haven't closed games. And, and they did it against Michigan yesterday. And, but again, when it happens once, you think, is it an aberration or is it actually a, a tide change? And today, they made mistakes in that last five minutes. And you're thinking, oh, no, they're back to their old ways. You got Race Thompson, wide open break with two guys wide open and just runs right into the defender instead of giving the ball up. And that's an obvious chance to give the ball up. Trey Galloway gets a steal, wide open basket, dribbles it out of bounds. You had guys taking some bad shots and... And just you know, sort of flat-footed and 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 looked pretty tired late, and then you get the defensive effort to to ratchet up after a late timeout. You get um, Trace, you know, as you said earlier in the game, hit that jumper that really changed the way Illinois played him a little bit. And I just think it opened the floor up. I mean, they weren't making field goals late, but Trace stepped to the free throw line, chance to win the game, and made both free throws. I mean, that, that we've seen so many times where Trace or somebody else steps up down one with with a one and one and missed them both, or, or missed the front end, or, or if they had two, they missed them both. I mean, it just—I don't know if it's a tide change for the program, but it feels different. It feels like they have the confidence to go out and win these games. And and let's be real, they had every right to win this game. They're, they went toe-to-toe with Illinois for 35 minutes. There's no reason that last five minutes has to be any different. And, and they played Kofi Coburn tough all game. They didn't let what happened at Assembly Hall happen to them here. They stepped up. They pushed back. And you're right, Andy. You, you let one guy open, and 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 he starts to beat you, and you feel really bad about it with Hawkins just, just knocking down threes and, and looking like he's going to be the guy to sink you. That felt like the game plan. Let him be the guy that beats you because it, at Assembly Hall, it was everybody else who beat you. And they got a little unlucky there, but they stuck with it and they kept pushing. And the thing that stood out to me is that when Kofi Coburn played 33 minutes, he's you know as good as anyone in the conference, as dominant as anyone in the conference, and he was plus one for the entire game. Trace Jackson Davis played 36 minutes and was plus four. The difference in the Illinois matchups over the years has been that battle. And Trace Jackson Davis... They didn't, they didn't battle the standstill today. Trace Jackson Davis won that battle, and that's why Indiana is going to be in the NCAA tournament. They had the chance. They had it in their hands, as they did with Michigan yesterday. You had it in your hands with five minutes to go. What do you do? And they closed it out. And that's the difference between a decent team and a good team. Good teams close games out against good teams, and that's what they've done the last two games, and that's why they're going to go to the NCAA tournament. And, and again, credit to Mike Woodson. Credit to these veterans who play, who he plays late. 
they finished what they needed to finish. You know, there are so many different angles and directions we need to go. We need to talk about what Race Thompson did at the start of the second half. We need to break down another excellent game from Xavier Johnson, who battled through the kind of stuff that got him out of his game in the game in Assembly Hall and battled through it to keep his composure and deliver more great point guard play. We need to talk about the impact of Rob Finnessy and Trey Galloway off the bench and how much better this team is with those guys. They're now 9-2 and two with, I think, three quad one victories when those guys are in the, in the lineup. But we need to take a moment right here off the top and talk about Mike Woodson, because what Mike Woodson has done this year through all the ups and downs and the criticisms and this and that, you know, using timeouts and lineups and, you know, everything that has happened, Ryan, for this team to be peaking at this point to absorb a five game losing streak when, you know, yeah, they lost. They got they got crushed in a couple of those games. But toward the end of that streak, as Woodson himself said, we're close. We're playing good basketball. And they were. They were just faltering down the stretch. And then to be able to come out like they have here with their backs against the wall and win these two games in the matchups that are not at all advantageous, but his ability to keep the team together, to these inspire two- belief, it's you know, it's great. You know, I mean, I mean, Indiana, like I said, you know, he's the exorcist. We're exercising these demons, all these streaks, all these things that were wrong. You know, Phil in our chat said uh, a quote earlier, this is how it once was. We used to win these big games. And for Mike Woodson to do this in his first season and lead the team through the wilderness of February and have it playing its best basketball in March, phenomenal. And for, you know, for what he did at halftime of the Michigan game that kind of turned everything around, phenomenal. Mike Woodson has done a, a terrific job in, in this, his first season. Um, and these two wins are proof of it. Yeah, Jared, these are the two worst matchups for Indiana in the conference. Maybe you could throw Purdue in there too because of the, the inside-out play that they can have, but Indiana's played Purdue pretty well. Michigan and Illinois are two horrible matchups for Indiana. I just think we need to state that. They're teams that whipped Indiana on their home floor in the regular season. And the fact that they've been able to throw that back at them and turn it around – that's the most impressive thing about this to me. It's not, you know, winning a bit, winning two Big Ten tournament games, although that's impressive anytime Indiana does it. It was the first time since 2003. But, but it's, it's the fact that these are teams that crushed them on their home floor. And that's, if you're a player, that's in the back of your mind. Like, we can't beat these guys. We lost at home to these guys badly. Yeah. And to be able to have the confidence to turn that around, especially with what happened in the first half of that Michigan game, and turn that around and throw it back in their face and to throw it back at Illinois when it was tight at halftime. Well, it was tight at halftime at Assembly Hall. You know, you're just waiting for that other shoe to drop and for you to crumble in the second half. And they did not do that. They stepped up instead of stepping down. And and that's what we have seen. You have not seen from this team consistently this year. And two days in a row, it's only two games, but it's two games in a row in a place they usually don't play well with players who don't, you know, know how to win or whatever you want to classify that as. And they've done it. And here's the other thing. Look ahead, guys. They're going to play either Rutgers or Iowa. They can beat both Rutgers and Iowa. I mean, they absolutely can. There's no question. They match up well against both teams. And then after that, it's maybe Wisconsin or Purdue. They played Wisconsin close twice. They beat Purdue. Why not go win this thing? Like, why not? Like, what? what, what? Is there any reason this team can't win this tournament? Like, not honestly. Anymore. No. On paper, look at it. Look who they're going to play. The teams I was afraid of were past. I mean, there's 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 no reason they can't at least should definitely. I mean, I if they play Rutgers or Iowa, I feel like they should get to the final. 
you know, and, and, and so if you're in the, and then if you're in the final, who knows what's going to happen, Wisconsin and Purdue, their, their spot in the tournament is secure, whatever, like go win it. Like we're, we're exercising demons, Jared, go win this damn thing. Andy, on that point, this is a perfect time to transition into talking about Xavier Johnson, because last night after the Michigan game, you know, he and Trace met with the media and Trace answered most of the questions I thought did a great job, you know, but they get to the very end of the press conference and they asked him, you know, okay, so what is, you know, what's the significance now of playing Illinois? You know, and they both kind of said the same thing to begin. So, you know, this is the next game on the schedule. It's kind of another game for us. And then Xavier at the very end punctuated it with, we want to win this whole thing. And that's what we plan on doing. And he was just very matter of fact about it. And, you know, I think the biggest amount of credit that Mike Woodson gets is how he has helped to shepherd Xavier Johnson through this season and create a guy, not create a guy, but to create a situation where Xavier's strengths are being maximized and his weaknesses are being minimized and his emotions are more in check. And what you get from Xavier Johnson is for a program that has at times been resigned to losing uh, and has maybe backed down from a fight. Maybe not, you know, maybe we'll throw a first punch, but then when they get punched back, won't come back. Xavier Johnson doesn't stop. And I think this team feeds off of it. I think Trace Jackson Davis has fed off of it. And I think Mike Woodson's ability and the whole coaching staff's ability to pull that out of him has been enormous. And you don't win tournament games like this without great guard play. And Indiana is getting as good a guard play from Xavier Johnson as anybody in the conference right now. Maybe anybody in the country, the way he's played the last six, seven games. That's not hyperbole. And tonight, through tons of hacking and defensive pressure, and again, the kind of stuff that usually takes Xavier out of his game, he was inefficient shooting 5 of 15, but 6 assists, 1 turnover, 2 steals, and was terrific on defense all game long. It was a great game for Xavier Johnson, and that's what you need to win games like this. We haven't had it, but... What Mike Woodson has done with him and to create an environment where he's maximizing what he can do, such a big reason for why this is happening right now. A hundred percent agree. Yesterday when IU played well down the stretch, it was because they were the aggressor. Michigan was the aggressor early and IU just stood back and took it. Um, and the one guy on this team who you know is going to be the aggressor for good or bad <laughs> come hell or high water is Avery Johnson. And and he's really what they need. He helped them get off to a really good start. I think when we look back, th there are points in the first half where we probably lamented not having a bigger lead. I know I did uh, when they held Illinois without a basket for a while. But that start that IU got off to allowed them to be able to weather a situation where they weren't scoring a whole lot either. And and he was a huge part of that. Hit a couple jumpers with guys all over him uh, from the mid-range. Made a couple really impressive drives to the basket. There was the one that he kind of scooped the ball around. Um you know, Coburn in a, in a really big spot. I think Illinois had taken the lead or cut it to one. Uh, and he makes that shot just has a knack for the big moments and got, a, got going a little bit fast. It felt like when Curbelo first came in the game, I know even on the broadcast, uh, you know, they talked about, they bring Curbelo in to try to speed the tempo up and they don't want to get into a, you know, a half court game with IU necessarily. And I thought he fell victim to that a little bit. And then he reined it in and you didn't really see that over the remainder of the game. And, and so, yeah, the shooting numbers, don't look great. He probably forced a couple here and there. I know one of them was at the end of the shot clock, um, but six assists and one turnover and two steals in 36 minutes while, while playing a defense, as you said, on, on a one of the better sets of guards in the whole league uh, says a great deal knowing that there's no, uh, 
you know, there's no real backup plan if Xavier gets on the bench or isn't having a good game or whatever else. I mean, Rob Finnessy played great. He had great minutes in the first half. He's not a backup plan for Xavier Johnson not being able to play well. Um, there is no alternative uh, for him, and he has to play well for IU to play uh, to succeed. And I think we said that from the beginning of the season is this team ceiling is based almost completely on what Xavier Johnson does. And for the last couple of days, at least, they're getting pretty close to be what being what that ceiling is. And it's thanks in large part to two great performances from him. Is there any world you guys thought that you beat Illinois only making three, three pointers? No, I thought Indiana, I mean, Illinois outscored us by seven points seven, from eight. the three point yeah. line. And especially the way the game started, they come out and drain those two threes. It's like, Oh boy, you know, Especially but, with the way they shot at Assembly Hall, too. No, but you know, but here's the thing. Out. I also wouldn't have thought that we'd outscore them by 12 points in the paint, and we did. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, that's a huge part makes of the reason sense why. Anymore, guys, <laughs> nothing makes no. But Indiana hit three threes, and two of them were from Race Thompson in the second half, like, and they were both were huge, huge, which we'll huge get to, by the way. But but I mean, th- th- that's the thing, and you look at the numbers, and you just like they just found a way to win. Like it's not there's not it's not, and and a lot of times this year, like to be fair they found a way to lose in these, in these close games. And, and in the last two days, they have found a way to win. There's, there's no formula looking at this. Yes. Defensively, they held Illinois down and they, they shot 46% from the field, which, <clears throat> which, which both great, but you know, uh, you know, points per possession, there were one Oh three, two, I think at 1.032. I mean, it wasn't like a great offensive performance. The defense was fantastic, but there, you look at the numbers, you just like, okay, Trace got 21, but where, you know, and it's just, it's spread out. Everybody scored a little bit. I mean, it, it, Xavier had 13, but, you know, you got three from Cobb, six from Fantasy, two from Stewart, two from Geronimo, eight from Galloway. It, there was no other big performance in there, uh, obviously 10 from Race. And they just found a way, they figured it out. They just figured it out and, and outlasted them. And, and that's. And you know what a big part I of mean, it was? It's staggering. It's staggering. Okay, you know, and we've talked about the poor execution and the missed shots, but something else that has happened to Indiana late in some of these games, defensive breakdowns. You know, you think about the Ohio State game, you know, when they just break down and give EJ Liddell a dunk. Think about the Rutgers game where they're giving up rebounds and they're not getting loose balls. Those are the things that did not happen today. Can you think of one loose ball or tough rebound that Indiana didn't get in the second half? Can you think of a defensive breakdown outside of the one driving layup that Trent Frazier got when he got, you know, when Trace got switched on to him? Were there any just easy layups that the other team got? No. You know, Indiana, no, the only easy buckets were Kofi just out muscling people. And that you there's nothing that's you can gonna do about happen. That. Yeah, I mean, get a but tire it's like, iron and hit his knee. Like that's the only way that's not gonna happen. Like I mean, But all game, Indiana's getting deflections and they're leading to steals and they're getting the big rebounds. Like the thing, Indiana did all the little things. And if you're going to get outscored like that from the three-point line, that's what you're going to have to do. And that's what Indiana did. Guys, we yeah. just won two games in the Big Ten tournament. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. I don't really know what Unprecedented. To do I'm not really sure what to do with anything. <laughs> a little bit to your point on the on the deflections, Jared. You know, there were a couple of those. It just reminds me of those couple of plays. You know, one is where race takes the, you know, gets called for the charge, and rightfully so. Um you know, on that play, but that was all just, I think it was initially a Galloway deflection. And then they just tip the ball to somebody, get the ball in transition. It was really the same thing where Galloway had that one that he, you know, kind of fumbled in and it worked out in IU's favor to a certain extent because they didn't really, he never really had possession. So it only reset the shot clock to, to 20 for Illinois. And that ended up being a big possession, but yeah, just being able to get in passing lanes, Galloway had a couple where he was right there, just missed it uh, by, by an inch or two. Uh, of being able to get there. But yeah, I think that's really reflective of the overall defensive effort. Had some good closeouts. They ran Plummer off the three-point line, I think, 
Uh, there was a play that Galloway did that, made him take a tough shot. And then he got to a point where he missed enough shots that he just stopped looking at the basket uh, yeah. for stretches there, which, um, I mean, he was a guy who really gave IU problems uh, in the first matchup as well. So, yeah, I mean, defensive effort uh, makes up for uh, – you can, you can paper over a lot of things when you play defensively the way they did today. No doubt about it. All right, coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's two-point victory over Illinois in the Big Ten Tournament, we will point out today's meaningful moments you might have missed, and then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from this game. You're listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us. This is Verdell Jones. What's better than an epic buzzer beater? A full court dribble and a perfectly placed pass to set it all up. And of course, celebrating with Hoosier Nation afterwards. So join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on an assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Verdell. I saw Verdell tweet before the game that he was hanging out with a whole bunch of Illinois fans, and so Indiana needed to win so he could have some bragging rights. And if there's anybody who deserves some joy around Big Ten tournament time, it is Verdell Jones. So I hope that Verdell uh, is enjoying that win and talking plenty of trash wherever he is uh, right now. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And you know what time it is here as we continue talking about Indiana's big victory over Illinois in the Big Ten tournament. Landy, well, the two headliners obviously were Trace Jackson Davis and Xavier Johnson, and we've talked about those guys. But three other guys who made huge contributions at really key stretches of this game were Trey Galloway, Rob Finnessy, and Race Thompson. And so I want to start by talking about Trey and Rob. Who, I mean, look, you know, I gave you the stat earlier. Indiana now 9-2 and two with both of those guys in the lineup. They beat Ohio State. They beat Purdue. They beat Michigan. They beat Illinois. I mean, four huge victories with those four guys. And they play such an important role for this team. You know, and you think about what they did in the first half today. Um, you know, as you said, Andy, it did feel, you know, for a stretcher like Indiana should be up by more. Um, and they weren't. You know, and part of the lull happened there in the middle part of the first half when you know Mike Woodson decided to go with the all bench lineup against Illinois starters, um, you know you can probably nitpick that decision if you want to, but you know the the one upside of that lineup is it's a very good defensive lineup, and Indiana was able to prevent Illinois from going on you know any of their kind of patented you know quick scoring runs, and there was a stretch there where Trey Galloway scored six straight points that were huge. Because I tweeted out at one point during that stretch, it feels like, you know, this group needs an offensive rudder. You know, they don't have a go-to guy. And Trey Galloway just kind of took that upon himself, hit a few of those, you know, runners uh, that he likes to hit. um, And that helped to kind of keep Indiana afloat there, you know, and not let Illinois extend a lead. Uh, And then, you know, Rob Finnessy there at the end of the first half, um, you know, Indiana's down 30 to 27. And there was a great play from Rob that just... It just signifies what he brings to this team. He's never going to be a great shooter. He's never going to be an efficient offensive player. But he's a guy who really now seems to have found comfort in his role. And as much as we talk about Mike Woodson bringing Xavier Johnson along, what Mike Woodson has done to make Rob Finnessy a consistent contributor has also been awesome. You know, and so this play, it's 30 to 27. Rob comes out of nowhere hustling to get a loose ball, as Indiana would do all game long. Uh, I can't remember if it was a rebound or a steal, but he just came out of nowhere to get it. 
And then Indiana goes down the other way. He ends up getting the ball as the trailer, finds a little opening, drives in, hits a layup 30-29. to 29. And it was just a great little defense-to-offense sequence for Rob. Again, when Indiana was struggling offensively, needed a little bit, you know, same thing at the very end of the half. It's 33-29. to 29. Illinois has a little bit of momentum before the end of the first half. Rob finds himself open in the lane. It's a shot that previous iterations of Rob Finnessy would have either missed or passed up, and he knocks it in. And it's 33-31 to 31 going into halftime, and there's no big momentum for Illinois. You know, and so those two guys, look, they were big all second half, too, and there's lots of moments we could talk about. But those moments in the first half, when things felt a little bit more disjointed for Indiana, especially offensively, for two guys who are known more for their defensive contributions, were huge. And it's just emblematic of what they've brought, which is whatever Indiana may need in a given game, whether it's someone to score 20 points against Purdue or play great defense, those two guys always seem to bring it. And it's why another one of the big reasons why this team is peaking is this has kind of been the team Indiana is all year when they've had both of those guys, and they just happen to have them back now. Yeah, yeah, I thought, um, yeah, I'll, I'll talk Rob first. Yeah, I, I had marked down that play that you you talked about as well. I think it was a steal where he was able to come over and get his hands on the ball. And really a great decision by Parker Stewart because it looked like he was going to shoot, yeah. sees Rob coming out of the corner of his eye, dishes it to him to, you know, passes up a a good shot to get a great shot, as, as we say on here. And, uh, just thought that was a really unselfish play from from him in that scenario, and and then with Trey had some really good drives, and he only made one shot in the second half, but it was a big one. They they basically gave him the ball. I think Curbelo was on him, and he got right to the rim and scored to make it sixty two to fifty nine with just under three minutes left. And they tried to go to him again a play or two after that, thinking that I think they felt good about that matchup in terms of what Curbelo, uh, you know, may not be defensively. And Trey's ability to just kind of get his way to the rim. But um, yeah, he, he just, you know, a lot of effort plays, a lot of, um, you know, kind of the typical, you know, in, in a, he played 15 minutes the second half. He was, uh, IU scored 34 points in the second half. Uh, 32 of them came from Race, Trace, and, and Xavier Johnson. Galloway, too, I mentioned a minute ago, was the other <laughs> two uh, that they had. But, uh, but again, Rob, against, uh, you know, to talk about the defensive side, the offensive contributions were huge in the first half when those guys combined for 12 points and, and kind of were tied for the leading scorer. Really balanced effort from IU in the first half compared to what you got in the second half. But defensively with Rob against a team like Illinois, it's not a great matchup for Parker Stewart. And it's one that IU can survive playing X and Rob together and being a little bit smaller because Illinois doesn't have big guards in that scenario. Yep. And um and he did a lot better than I think Stewart likely would have, you know, trying to he, you know, Parker's improved defensively, but this is not a good matchup for him to be able to keep, you know, either Frazier uh or Plummer to be able to kind of contain them off the dribble. So it was a great matchup for Rob. We talked about this not being a great matchup for Indiana, but it kind of was a good matchup for IU to be able to play uh, a lineup with those two guys together and not really give up anything from a, a size perspective. So yeah, just just huge minutes from those those guys. Some great passes from Trey Galloway. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about one of them as we transition here into Race Thompson in a minute. Um, mm -hmm. Just a fantastic skip pass. So we'll uh, I'll use that as the segue to talk race because I know you wanted to talk about him in the in the meaningful moments as well. Absolutely. Well, you know, look, and this kind of goes to your point there with you know with uh, with the lineup decisions that Mike Woodson made today. And we've spent a whole lot of time on this post game show dissecting some of those decisions, lineup decisions especially. And, you know, Mike Woodson has, you know, in in the first game against Michigan, you know, he rides Jordan Geronimo and basically just sits Race Thompson, who's been his most consistent player all year, basically the whole second half. But he goes with the hot hand in the matchup and it works. Did the same thing today. You know, 
you need Rob out there to to guard some of those guards. He's playing well, and he rode with those guys. You know, and so I think Mike Woodson, you know, really pushing a lot of the right buttons in game. His timeout usage, I thought, was great to stop runs and to give guys rest. You know, he'll take that timeout before the uh, before the media timeout. He's done it in the second half now, two games in a row, and it has seemed to kind of give the guys a little bit of a rest, give them a second wind. But let's talk about Race Thompson um, because he really struggled in the first half. You know, you could tell after yesterday's game, he kind of came out ready to get back involved. He was really aggressive offensively early. The shots didn't really fall. He picked up two fouls and he just looked off. You know, we were kind of texting back and forth about it. He just didn't look like the same guy. And so, you know, the second half starts and Illinois has a little bit of a lead. You know, and I texted you guys, you know, hey, we've we need more from race. You know, and they they ended up they had a lead of 42 to 38 at the under 12 minute timeout. And I think it was like five straight segments between media timeouts. They won by one or two points, which turned an Indiana lead into an Illinois lead. It was just kind of like slowly bleeding Indiana out, right? That's like something needs to change here. And it was Race Thompson. And apparently, as they said on the broadcast, Mike Woodson really tore into him in the timeout to get aggressive. And he did. You know, he came up huge. He hit that three-pointer to make it 42 to 41. He started getting every rebound. I don't know how many he finished with, but he had six rebounds in the first, like, 10 minutes of the second half. Uh, He finished with nine. Um, He got fouled. He made both free throws to give Indiana the lead. So that little 5-0 run, it ignited the 9-0 run that really flipped control of the game to Indiana. And so, you know, it was an uneven performance by race. You know, I think he made it obviously a mistake late when he had that breakaway and didn't pass it off, even though it was a blocking foul uh, and, and it shouldn't have been called a charge, but he should have passed it off, you know, and so it was uneven. But when Indiana really needed a spark in the second half, race provided it. Um, and that stretch was huge, as was the three-pointer that he hit a little bit later. So, uh, you know, they needed someone to step up in that moment and he did it. Yeah, I- I I thought the same thing. He just didn't seem, it was a little bit like what I felt like we saw from TJD in the first half yesterday. Just didn't seem to be moving at the same speed that he normally is uh, with race. And then uh, uh, not unlike TJD in the second half yesterday, just really came to life uh, during that stretch at the, as you said, that five point run from him, you know, kicked off a nine Oh run from IU that turned a four point deficit into a five point lead. Uh, And then, you know, even after that, Illinois makes a basket to, um, to cut it to 47, 44. That was when race hit the other, uh, the other three off the, the pass across from Galloway and just really more confidently stepped into things. I thought they went to him early again, uh, similar to what they did in the first game against Illinois with really trying to get him going. I think the difference was in that game, uh, Illinois was playing a smaller guy at the four versus Coleman Hawkins. Who's, you know, can bang with race a little bit in there, but I thought I, you tried to go to him early, get him started. And he didn't really, uh, I, I think he made one hook, but but really couldn't get a lot going down there. And I don't know if that led to it or not, but um, yeah, I mean, I really thought short of that, the decision to not pass the ball, I, 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 whether it was a blocker charge or not, I think you're going to get called for that almost every time when you're dribbling for that long. Yeah. Um, and it just, and, and the way he went up for the shot looked incredibly out of control. So uh, <laughs> yeah. regardless of what the, the question, <laughs> what, what the call was or should have been um, that wasn't there, but I also thought he, you know, he was able to fight a little bit on Kofi if he got switched onto him from time to time. Um, with, with Trace, but uh, really glad to see him respond. And I think overall what you said speaks to, I guess, the kind of – I guess I call it feel for the game, for lack of a better term, that I think we were expecting from Woodson more. And and maybe I'm wrong to say that it wasn't there, but it felt like it wasn't there at other times. To so really be able to have the feel for who's playing well, what groups are playing well together, 
knowing what buttons to push. And I thought today in large part, and again, even though Miller cop misses that free throw, the decision to get him in and kind of run something in a way that was going to end up with your your best free throw shooter getting the ball there was a great play. Now he's coming in cold off the bench. I don't remember the last time he had played that's up to that in a in a pressure situation. So that's not ideal. But kind of looking at the way Illinois guarded it, they were trying to deny X the ball and basically had two guys on him. And so I just thought Woodson, you know, maybe had a quicker trigger with some of the guys given the situation uh, in terms of taking him out and leaving him on the bench. But I think the last two days. You've really seen him ride with the lineups that are playing well and and be able to to motivate guys as he did with Trace yesterday and race today to really get more out of him in game than than at least it feels like we've seen. Maybe I'm just a prisoner of the moment and that's unfair criticism, but it, it certainly has felt that way over times uh, during the season. Any other moments uh, that jump out to you guys that we haven't touched on? Obviously, you know, one meaningful moment is Jordan Geronimo, you know, going down and getting hurt. And I haven't seen why, why go negative. Why go negative? No, no, no. People but I'm just he, saying, I'm just I, saying. He's standing in the, in the shit, in the handshake line, apparently. Good. So okay. I think no, he was I, able to put a little bit of weight on it, at least as some of the people said. So, I mean, who knows? Might be the kind of thing where he misses tomorrow and, you know, there's some swelling or whatever. But uh, uh, people were saying it didn't look as bad as in the moment uh, afterward. But we don't know. We'll, we'll Good. see. By the way, one other moment that I thought was really important was the first half. Um, you know, when again, you know, Illinois kind of went on a little mini run. You know, they go up twenty six to twenty one on on a, a plumber three, and it kind of felt like you know they were getting some of their their spark. Indiana again, really struggling offensively, which was kind of the theme there for like the last you know ten minutes of the first half. And Xavier Johnson stepped up, hit a really big uh, jumper, and then on the next possession, got it into Trace for the dunk. And really quickly, that 26 to 21 lead shrinks to 26 to 25. And that's something that Indiana did a lot today when they needed to is, you know, first half and then they're early in the second half when Illinois would get it to four or five, when at times, especially if there's a couple bad offensive possessions, now the defense wilts and, you know, and all of a sudden a little four or five point run turns into nine, 10 points. And it's like, here we go again. And that didn't happen, you know. Whether it was X stepping up or Trey or Rob, somebody was always there to step up and make sure that Indiana or that Illinois never got, you know, a lead of more than four or five. You're always, you know, two possessions in. And then when Indiana went on their run to kind of flip it in the second half, they were able to take control and then never let Illinois, um, you know, get up by more than one when they started exchanging uh, baskets and free throws there late. That was huge, you know, Andy. And that's some of the stuff that has been missing, you know, whether it's needing to just manufacture a bucket somehow, whether it's someone stepping up or getting it into trace to, to, to stop a little quick five point run and the defense staying connected and energetic, even when the offense goes through a little bit of struggles, there was just, you know, in, in this game and over the last 60 minutes of basketball contrasted with what we saw in the first 20 minutes against Michigan, there was just such a consistency of conviction and confidence and chemistry really from this group where it's just like they never got rattled. They just made plays when they needed to be made. And it ultimately led to, to the two victories. You know, and I, and I guess the point there is, you know, all through these last 60 minutes, almost like every play you look at was almost a meaningful moment because it was just in Michigan, when you're down by that much in the second half, every play is meaningful, you know? And then today in this close, hard-fought game, they just came up with so many big plays and so many of the things that have really hurt them throughout the season – they didn't let happen. And, and, and there was, there's, there's a different look about them. You know, that's kind of the other thing that I felt watching this game, Andy, is, you know, I don't know what the selection committee is going to do. We all feel really good now that, that Indiana beat Illinois 
all I know is what I watched today was an NCAA tournament team for sure. <laughs> you know, like that team can go win NCAA tournament games with Trey and Brad Ryan. Underwood is, is stumping for Indiana to be in now. Yeah, absolutely. Says if there's any doubt they should be in. Yeah. And I, to be fair, I don't think there is. I mean, I think we're going to make it, but it's just like Indiana. I mean, I guess you can say they're backing in because they're on the bubble, but the way they're playing, they're streaking in because they're playing their best basketball, which is what you want. And that gives you a chance to do something when you get there. It's great to see. Um, all right. Any other meaningful moments before we move on to numbers? I, I, I'll throw out one that was with trace. I think this was in the first half. Um, basically just kind of outran out hustled Kofi Coburn to run down a ball in the corner. And I yeah. thought that was a play that, you know, certainly the first half of yesterday's game, I'm not sure he, I'm not sure he makes, but it was a good, I, we've talked about this with him. He, he sets the tone a lot in terms of what his energy and effort level is. And I thought today from the jump, it was a really good, uh, comparative to, uh, you know, what it was in the first half yesterday. I thought that play was somewhat emblematic of it, but nothing else, uh, for me. Well, great quote uh, that Dustin Dupirak uh, just tweeted out. Trey says, there's been a lot of talk about me not showing up at the end of the year, the last few years. I wanted to change that narrative. Trace, narrative changed. I, you know, as we talked about in yesterday's postgame show, the Michigan game for Trace was a legacy game. You know, back against the wall, you're going to step up and be this team's leader in a tough matchup and do it anyway. He did it then. He did it today. Trace is rewriting the narrative of his career before our eyes right now with two of the most meaningful victories this program has had in a long, long time. And he's been one of the two centerpieces of it, along with Xavier Johnson. All right. Let's talk numbers. Uh, This segment sponsored by Bracket Wisdom, which is the new podcast from Ed Fang of the Power Rank. And if you want to win your March Madness pool, Ed is the trusted analyst that you need. He wrote the book on how to win your pool. We're going to have a special offer for you on that uh, coming soon. And he's got this new daily podcast series called Bracket Wisdom. It started a few days ago. Uh, And the way that you get that is go to his podcast, The Football Analytics Show. So search for The Football Analytics Show wherever you listen to podcasts or Ed Fang or The Power Rank. Follow him on Twitter and you'll get that daily podcast series that'll give you really good insight into kind of how you should strategize uh, your picks to win your March Madness pool. Uh, Ed does a great job with that. uh, And so we are happy to have him as a sponsor. Check that out, The Football Analytics Show and follow Ed on Twitter at The Power Rank. All right, we've talked about some of the numbers, you know, the points in the paint, the difference in in three-point shooting. Um, you know, Andy, you mentioned the uh, the three-point defense, quote-unquote, for Indiana. Look, Indiana was due for a little good luck from the free-throw line, so I do not at all feel bad about Illinois going 15 for 23 because Indiana, 14th in the conference. I think opponents were shooting like 78% against us in the free-throw line. We were due for a little good luck in that area. We will take it in a two-point uh, victory. Um, but for real, what numbers stood out to you, Andy? Uh, let's see. I tried to try to pull up the box for here. It wasn't, wasn't responding. Um, you know, rebounding wise thought I, you kept it pretty close, uh, on that end. I think whenever you're going up against Coburn and Curbelo somehow had, had 10 rebounds, I did not go to the offensive glass a ton. Um, but, uh, you know, so that was, you know, down there 37, 35 in, in terms of that, you know, bench points again, we've talked a lot about the bench. Uh, that was a huge factor in yesterday's game. Outscored him sixteen to five off the bench today, uh, which certainly was a big one. Sixteen assists, seven turnovers uh, is is a huge indicator for this team. And I, th- I think you referenced the margin of this earlier in the game in terms of points in the paint. IU outscores in thirty six twenty four, and 
you know, those are things, as you said earlier, you have to do. You get outscored by five from the, th- from the free throw line and uh, outscored by 15 from the three-point line with, you know, them making eight threes and IU only making one. Um, so just you can see a lot of little areas there where IU made up some of the things that they might have given away in, in certain areas to, uh, to really get the win. I got one, Jared. Zero field, zero field goals in the last five minutes for Illinois. It's amazing. It's amazing. With Kofi Coburn, a guy who literally can bully his way to a three-foot shot, and they didn't make a field goal the last five minutes. I yeah. would say that that and holding Illinois to nine fast break points, a team that loves to play fast. You held them. I mean, you got you still gave up a few, but that could easily be 15. 20. Well, and they actually missed some good looks in the first half. They actually yeah. missed a couple of really good looks, which, again, we will take, not complaining. But what Indiana did defensively down the stretch was huge. I think I tweeted out at the under eight minute timeout. It was going to be really important for Indiana. You know, this the defense has been great, but this Illinois team is too good offensively to not go on a little run, you know, where they score yeah. probably three, four possessions in a row. It just it felt like it would happen at some point. And Indiana just never let it happen. You know, the connectedness on defense. There was a play. Gosh, I don't know. It was in the final couple of minutes, you know, where Trey and race were trying to navigate a switch out front. I think it was either Corbello or Frazier and Kofi. And I mean, you know, Trace kind of got switched out and then he switched back. Trey got him back. And I mean, the communication was incredible. It's the kind of thing that we've seen Indiana get confused on in the past and then it lead to a mismatch. And they just effortlessly made the I don't know if they were talking or if they just knew what the other guy was going to do. Combination. But that kind of connectedness. You know, and even the 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 pass that Trent Frazier threw out of bounds. Like that's another nice break for Indiana. It's just a bad pass. But all three Indiana defenders that were there were in the exact right spots to give Trent Frazier something to look at and just to make sure there were no breakdowns. And Honestly, you know what I thought during that play, Jared? That's the kind of thing that Indiana usually does late in the game. Yes. You know, not, not necessarily throw it directly out of bounds, but make that kind of turnover in that situation where you're a couple seconds into the shot clock, you got plenty of time, and you yes. rush a pass or something and throw it out. And it was just like, that was when I thought Indiana might win. Was when it, you know, I mean, I thought throughout the game, you're thinking, oh, they, they got, they look good, they look good, but that was a point where I'm like, oh, they're going to win this game because mm-hmm. that's the that's the switch flip that you know they're usually the ones doing that, and then when the other team's doing it, then you're the one who's taking advantage of that, and it's just a it's a small thing, but it's a mentality change where Illinois was rushing, Illinois had the pressure on them and was trying to push, and Frazier threw that ball out of bounds because he wasn't thinking through his progressions and he wasn't being solid with the ball when the other team's doing that that's your opportunity to to take advantage and be the one that's 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 on the front foot and and haven't seen that a whole lot this year late and and that's it it's just it's staggering how different it feels when this team is putting its best foot forward in the last couple minutes you know we had a pretty good three decade stretch of basketball with a coach whose entire thesis for basketball is that the team that makes the fewest mistakes is going to win the game and mike woodson learned the game from that coach and we have not seen that a lot. We've seen this Indiana team look like a team with a very low basketball IQ that makes mistakes in key moments. And now over these last two games to see that flip. Has there been a little good fortune here or there? Of course. But what's made it more meaningful is Indiana has created their breaks and they've made yeah. smart decisions. They've been the team that's made fewer mistakes against two teams that were supposed to be really bad matchups and that were favored to beat Indiana. And they have flipped the script. They've changed the narrative. They've exercised demons. And that's part of what has made this this two-game run so meaningful. And now, for the first time ever, we're playing with house money at the Big Ten tournament. And like you said, let's go win this thing. They clearly expect to win. 
Xavier Johnson clearly expects to win, and everybody is following his lead, and he's got Indiana fans believing. You know? It's fine. Um, one more number that I thought was really important was they kept they held Illinois to 31.3% from the field in the first half. They didn't let them, you know, after the emotion of yesterday and after winning that game and how big that was to come all the way back or whatever, they didn't come out flat to start the game defensively. Um, there was a little it was a little ragged offensively at times, but they were able to basically rely on their defense to sort of get them into the game and get them to a point where they could start, you know, going toe to toe with Illinois instead of having to come out hot offensively immediately. They just fell back on that defense and and I mean Coburn was three of six in the first half and I thought he had some good looks. They they were just pressuring him. They were putting good pressure on him. He got most of his points in the first half of the free throw line. He had three of four from the free throw line. So I, I just thought that to start the game off that way. And then the second half there was a stretch of possessions where both teams made a ton of shots in a row. Uh, where it was like layups and, and and quick shots and whatever. And they still, even with that, they held Illinois to 41% in the second half. So just defense, 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 man. That's what this team is built on. Andy, do you have one more? Uh, yeah, I, I was talking about this a little bit with Chad this morning uh, on the morning after, but in the first matchup, Trent Frazier and Plummer combined for seven or for 37 points. Today, they combined for 17. They were 6 of 22 from the floor, 4 of 13 from 3. Uh, and just, a, a you know, again, just other numbers to hammer home how good the defense was. And, yeah, they missed a few. Uh, they missed a few shots here and there that, that maybe were open. But I, I think the overall numbers there speak to how well you played. Even you threw in Curbelo, he only had five and was one out of seven. So those, those three guys combined for 22 points and seven for 29 from the floor. Um, uh, that's a uh, pretty good defense on, on again, what you'd say is arguably the, the best backcourt in the, uh, in the big 10. By the way, I love the quote from Mike Woodson. I think it's great for our program and our players. It's fantastic. We're back in the big dance. So Mike Woodson, Mike Woodson's assuming that, uh, that it's a done deal, which I think safe to say, but he's, uh, Mike, go in another one, buddy. Yeah. It's not, let's not settle. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Still lots more work to be done here for Indiana because I agree with you, Ryan. We're here now. All, all the rest of these matchups are pretty good. Let's just go win the damn thing. You know, I mean, maybe, you know, I guess the disadvantage Indiana has is they're going to have played an extra game. And so they might be a little bit more tired on Sunday. But, they're warmed up. Yeah, exactly. They're they're on a roll. So let's go do it. All right. Uh, coming up here on the assembly call, we're going to hand out our game balls. We've got the Hoosier Hustle Award discuss a few lingering questions and then we will look ahead to what may face or what indiana may face on saturday at the big 10 tournament that's next stick with us Ron Davis. And what's the only thing better than dominating a Duke big man in the post? It's celebrated with friends afterwards. Join Gerard, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the Assembly Hall call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers! 
Thank you, Duran. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Almost 10,000 IU fans have subscribed to that list. Uh, you'll often get excellent postgame analysis emails from the coach, Tony Adranya. Uh, you can join that for free at join.assemblycall.com. That is join.assemblycall.com. Gentlemen, it is time to hand out some game balls, perhaps a couple different directions that you could go with this one, but certainly uh, a fun one. Andy, who gets your game ball? Uh, Got to go with TJD. Um, I think there's a, a couple couple good choices, as you mentioned, but um, in a, a matchup against a guy who he has really, really struggled with over the course of, of time, 21 points, 9 of 13 from the floor, made those two huge free throws to give IU the lead was the you know the personal 4-0 run turned to a three-point Illinois lead when things were looking bleak into a one-point IU lead that I uh I, Illinois may have may have taken the lead back after that at one point but IU really held on I, I just thought really good effort start to finish from him today um and uh playing with a lot of confidence made that jump shot I put in the chat for you guys somebody asked Woodson uh what he thought when the he saw him take that shot he said hallelujah so mm-hmm. uh <laughs> we're right there with you Mike <laughs> oh man. I mean, what a perfectly timed, you know, opportunity for Trace to take and make that shot. Just just huge. Um I agree. I think you know, Trace has to get the game ball uh, as we said. I mean, he is he's rewriting the narrative of his career right here. Um, and who knows? I mean, I think we all assume that Trace is going to be gone. Um, I think him playing this way probably doesn't, uh, you know, isn't going to give him any reason to uh, to stay. But it's just it's seeing Seeing the evolution of his game, Ryan, you know, from a skill perspective and just some different things that, you you know, it does kind of make you wonder, like, where's this been all season long? But I think more we than finally- anything, more than anything, it's the commitment to playing tough and the commitment to being focused possession to possession. Like, you know, the reason why we've talked a lot this year that, you know, race is the most important player and at times, you know, X is, is maybe the best player we know that Trace has the highest ceiling because of everything that he can do. It's just been frustrating at times to see him not get there and to see some of the inconsistencies from game to game. But what we've seen over the last 60 minutes is an All-American, a legit All-American yeah. player. And it's it's really rewarding to see him realizing it and doing it and being rewarded for it with victories. You, you know, know, And I'm just it, I'm so happy for him. Well, I think it's... There's a correlation to the fact that they're putting him in a ton more pick and roll situations too, yes, where that he's too. going downhill as opposed to back to the basket. Now he did some back to the basket work today, um, but he's able to use his quickness when he's moving as a, and that's his advantage as a big man is his quickness and his ability to get up quickly with it, with his jump, as opposed to being back guys who back people down are Kofi Cobert. They're strong. They bully guys. Trace isn't that guy. He can be when he's got a much smaller defender on him. And he's got some length so he can go over the top of guys. But he's at his best when he uses spin moves and he's quickness. And he goes around the and uses the, you know, goes around the rim instead of going, you know, the front way. And and he did that a lot today. He outquicked Kofi. And and that was the the difference. It, he didn't try and bully and go over him, which is what he has done in the past. And he winds up, because he's not as strong as Cobra, he winds up sort of fading back and flinging his hook instead of going straight over the top of him or going through him. And And he gets bullied by the guy. And so what did he do? He said, no, I'm going to be smarter and I'm going to be quicker. And that's what he was today. He was just a quicker, faster player with more athleticism. And he won. And and it's, it's just a smarter way to use him than trying to go, you know, 
like two cinder blocks running into each other. It's no, use what you have <laughs> and be quick. And he did. And that's, and look on the other end, the other thing I, I was impressed with trace too, is, you know, when you get beat your first reaction, especially when you're in a one-on-one matchup like that, your first reaction is to go back and beat that guy. And he did that a couple times where Kofi just bullied him and got a layup. And it's, there's nothing you can do about that. That's Kofi Coburn. That's what he does. He'll just knock you over and, and score. And he's going to get to whatever position he wants on the floor and all of that. Sometimes you just can't. It's like it. you on the show sometimes. There you go. It's, I take yeah. over. And, you know, dominate. <laughs> All-American, baby. Um, but, but what Trace did a few times, he came back down, got the ball in the post, and immediately went right up against him. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not how you're going to beat him. You're not going to beat him doing what he does to you. You're going to beat him by getting smart position, by cutting across the lane, by running pick and roll, something like that. He did it twice, but then he restrained himself. When he didn't have a window to go, he kicked it back out, would move, make Coburn guard you on the floor as opposed to just let him stand under the basket, make him move, find your angle, find your crease, and go attack the hoop. And the fact that in his past matchups, he's tried to do that. Just go right back at him. Just go right back at him. Just go right back at him. And he's failed. And this time... He got smart about it and attacked him on his terms, not Kofi's terms, and that's why he beat him today. And and so he gets the game ball. There's no question. I don't. I don't like you guys can say there are other options or whatever. I I don't think it's close. I think he is. He's the guy, and I think it's back to back days where he's just been leading from the front. Well, and I think it, you know, to to piggyback on that a little bit, I thought he did a really good job of varying the way that he attacked him. He had a couple of those traditional post ups, but it wasn't all a of few. them. Uh, He had those couple, you know, kind of up and under reverse plays where he did it. And even one of the big shots that he made at the very end, which probably would have been a good, meaningful moment as well. I mean, he gets him turning one way and he drops up, spins over his left shoulder, which is what no one is expecting and finishes with his right hand, which uh, has been a challenge at times. But in a big spot, that one barely hung on to the rim. It it, (laughs) It just crept over. But it was. uh, But yeah, I mean, that was just for him to go to that in that spot, I think speaks to the level of confidence he has, because I'm not sure certainly in other matchups with Coburn where he's basically daring him to make that play. He, he hasn't done it. Um, but I thought he was harder to predict what he was going to do today than he has in previous matchups with Coburn for sure. Very well said. All right. Coming up next. Wait, ho- oh, yeah. Hi, this is native Hoosier, Anthony Leo. I pride myself on hustling every second I'm on the court, so it's an honor to present this episode's Hoosier Hustle Award, sponsored by our friends at Evansville Security Services. Based in the hometown of IU legend Calvert Chaney, Evansville Security Services provides off-duty police officers to businesses and individuals throughout Indiana. Their goal is to provide whatever level of safety and protection you're looking for. And just like hustle can't be measured by stats, but is often the difference between winning and losing, the prevention of bad outcomes can't be adequately measured either, but it can still have a huge impact on your bottom line and peace of mind. So let Evansville Security Services help you prevent a bad outcome today. Go to EvansvilleSecurityServices.com to learn more. That's EvansvilleSecurityServices.com. All right. Thank you for that, Anthony. Let's give out the Hoosier Hustle Award. Ryan, you go first. I'm giving it to Anthony Leo for that ad read. Two and zero with that ad read. So that's right. Glorious. Uh, that's nil money well spent. I say that's um, correct. I think you can go two ways with this. Um, I really think it's um, look. I think I think uh, I had tip to Ray Thompson. I don't think this is his award today, but I thought that that he did some really good stuff in the second half, especially rebounding the ball uh, and and sort of with his defense. 
Um, but I think it's it's two options. I think it's Galloway or Xavier Johnson. And uh, I'm going to go with Xavier Johnson. He was plus seven, played 36 minutes. As you know, he and Trace both played 36 minutes. Uh, he was he was five of 15 from the field, but I felt like he was pressing the action all day and trying to make something happen. Um, his assists and only. Uh, had six uh six assists and only one turnovers and two steals so the plus seven is is what i'm what i'm looking at there he was uh indiana was at its best when he was on the field absolutely andy who gets your hustle award and by the way the hoosier hustle award should be a challenge that's what we want for there to be like three or four good options that you could pick from that's how you know indiana had a good game and that's what today is like i, I agree i feel like there's like four four dudes that you could uh <laughs> easily yeah for. Yeah, I think between X race, Rob and and Trey Galloway. Um I, I'm gonna go I, I'll I'll go with race. I thought his minutes in those spots in the second half were huge. Um made some really big plays. Ultimately, I'm doing this largely just put the burden on Jared to break the tie. It's always uh, fun. Be, he gets stuck perfectly with it. honest. Or he could go a third way. I could go with Trey. Go it that way. Um, but I, I just thought race, maybe that's just the response to, to what Woodson was telling him, but Big threes really felt like that put a little bit more uh, pep in his step and it gave him a little bit of juice to go the rest of the game after really struggling to start. So I'll go with race, but I really any of those four guys, I will not complain one bit uh, about who gets it. But uh, like I said, really probably would give it to X, but for gamesmanship, I'll uh, I'll go with race. Could go with Rob, could go with Trey. We could combine their names to Ray Finaway just so that we have a nice way to uh, to refer to the two of them together. Uh, I'm going with X. Um, I think I think all those guys are terrific options, but I've got to go with Xavier Johnson. And I think the main reason I'm going with him is he got harassed all day long. You know, and I think this is, you know, kind of the second straight day here at the Big Ten tournament where, you know, I, I really question some of the officiating and how it was called on both sides, you know, where it seemed like there were some inconsistencies. And I really got worried in the first half, you know, as they're just kind of manhandling X on all of his drives. I mean, they were, you know, they really came out in the first half to try to blow up somewhat Indiana has been doing with the pick and roll. And they were really physical with him and certain versions of Xavier Johnson this season, especially when his shots aren't falling, have gotten really frustrated, you know, and it's, you know, impacted his play. And I thought he played through it really well and continued to be the guy that Indiana needed. You know, even when the possessions were hard and it wasn't going as designed, he kept at it, kept at it. And I think when you defend as well on the perimeter as Indiana did today, obviously Rob gets a ton of credit for that and Trey gets a ton of credit for that. But the guy who's guarding the perimeter for 36 minutes gets a huge amount of it too. And, you know, I, I just, I've really spent a lot of time thinking and maybe you know this kind of transitions us into a lingering question a little bit. You know, just one of the big macro narratives. You know, as you as we come out of this season, man, if you're a point guard looking at the way Indiana plays and looking at how this season has progressed, why on earth would you not want to play for Mike Woodson? You know, I can see you know guys like Jalen Hutchinson and Gabe Cups. You know, I'm sure this is the vision that was outlined to them. The ball is going to be in your hands. I'm going to believe in you. I'm going to give you opportunities. And you're seeing what a guy with Xavier's talent can do and the way that he's kind of been guided through. And to see what Mike Woodson has been able to help mold with a talented guy at the most important position on the court, especially at a program that hasn't had it and the impact that makes, 
I've thought all season long it's one of the most important things, even through the ups and downs. But now what we're seeing through the ups is how absolutely essential it is and how high the ceiling of your team goes when you've got that point guard playing his best basketball in March. We haven't seen that since Yogi. We haven't seen anything close to it since Yogi. And now we're seeing it with X. And he combines great skill with the absolute heart of a lion. And I think this team has really adopted his mindset. And it's phenomenal uh, to watch. So I'm going with X for the Hustle Award. Um, all right, Andy, you and I will maybe talk a little bit of bracketology here in a minute, but I know Ryan uh, has to get out of here, write some stuff for the big lead. Make sure that you uh, tweet us the link to your uh, to your article from today, Ryan, but give us your last call. Uh, just a huge win. You know, we've been waiting for this all season, quite frankly. We've been waiting for this team to close games, and, and when teams can close games, that's when they elevate themselves. Um, you know, it's great to get a 20-point lead in the first half, but if you can't close it out, it doesn't matter how well you played up until that point. Um, so seeing this team close the last two games, uh, and maybe see sort of a change in who they are, their DNA a little bit is incredibly promising, not just for this year, but for the future. And again, we've said all year, this team had to make the tournament this year. You just have to, you cannot continue to miss the tournament You uh, because then that becomes what your program is. Your program isn't the banners. Your program isn't the tradition. It's not the candy stripes. It's not, you know, locking down the city. You, your program becomes the, you're the guys who miss the tournament. And so you had to do it this year. And it looks like they've crossed that barrier. Um, but now that you're here, you've beaten the top team in the conference. You just beat them. There's nobody else who can be, who, who, should, who, who should be better than that, that you're going to face. Go get them. There's no reason not to. Hell, go in tomorrow and it, get Purdue in the final. Have an IU-Purdue final and a chance to beat them two out of three times this year. That like series deserves a third game. The this opportunity that you have now in front of you is massive. Nobody has ever done it before. Nobody who's worn that uniform has ever won a Big Ten title. Go do it. There's nothing preventing you. When this team plays as well as it plays, as it can play, they can beat anybody that they will face. They can beat anybody that they, that they will face. And they've got a chance right now. It's right in their hands. Go do it. Go do it. There's no downside to doing it, guys. There's no downside. Just go do it. Go win. You're it. claiming there's no downside to winning the Big Ten tournament. This yeah. is breaking news. I'm saying, no, I'm saying. I'm saying. I'm saying. <laughs> the, like, the, you know, you can go do it. You, I'm saying, like, the the effort you're going to put in to go do it is going to be, you know, it's it's just the. the I, I I don't understand why anybody would ever think like. Uh, that they can't do this. They absolutely can. It's right. There. Well, I understand why scores of Indiana teams have thought they couldn't do it, but it took, That's I think it true. took, I think it took a guy like Xavier Johnson who a isn't burdened by the history and B doesn't care. And C thinks he's going to win every single matchup he ever steps into to help change the, the tone of the team. I really, I really think so. 100%. You know, Mike Woodson you a gets a lot of credit and so does Xavier Johnson for leading this team from, from the inside. No doubt. You need about a bulldog. It. They've got it at the point guard right now. Go do it. <clears throat> Let's do it. All right. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, Andy, what is? do you know what the latest is on the Rutgers-Iowa game? Uh, I think Rutgers was down five or seven the last time I I looked. Um, I I've, I got the feeling of the Iron College Basketball pack, Podcast right there where Ryan is like, uh, you have you have consent to go win the Big Ten tournament. So <laughs> yeah. was... thank, you. thank you, Ryan. <laughs> anyway. So anyway. Um, yeah, so the last, <laughs> last I looked, it was like five or seven. 
Uh, do you have a Do you have a preference? Personally, I would rather face Rutgers because it just seems like we're kind of in this mode of exercising demons, and we certainly have plenty of demons against them. Uh, and you know, while Iowa certainly they uh, they do enough running up the score against bad teams to maybe make their offense look more potent than it is, they're still a really good offensive team. Uh, and Keegan Murray is just a difficult matchup for anybody. So I hesitate. I respect both of those teams. Let me just put that out there right now. I don't want to seem like a disrespect if I say I'd rather play Rutgers. I just think that it, I think there's a lower variance of what's going to happen. I think it's pretty clear that'll be a close game, and I'm starting to trust this team in close games. Iowa, you know, playing them after you know having played two straight days, you know, things could get wild in that game if they're making their threes. So I think I'd prefer to play Rutgers, but I'm just happy to be playing Saturday. So whoever, yeah, I. I tend to agree with you. I think um, one, I think it's a bit better matchup, even independent of the, you know, kind of revenge narratives and things like that. But I think the other is probably the pace at which the game would be played playing your third game in three days. I don't know that you need to uh, get into one. That's going to turn into a track meet with, with Iowa. Um, Even though I think, I mean, I, I think I was playing really well right now. I don't know that, you know, to go back to, you know, kind of what Ryan said earlier, you know, they played really well in Champaign on on Senior Day, uh, that last game of the season, and they've got a lot of guys playing with some confidence. I think Chris Murray used the IU performance as a springboard. He's really been a different player uh, since then, and they obviously have uh, Keegan Murray as well. So, I'd probably rather play Rutgers. I think you've, um, I, I think this team, uh, the way they're playing right now, would probably relish the opportunity to get another crack at them. Um, but we'll we'll see what happens. They they've at least had recent success against Iowa as well, not necessarily against this year's Iowa team. Um but I think coming off of a couple games where there isn't a ton of reason to have a lot of confidence, I think you could probably talk yourself into to either one of these matchups as being a relatively favorable one. All right, let's let's kind of get I know that, you know, a lot's happened. Texas A&M won, Indiana won here, so you know, some things are happening on the bubble. Um first off, is there Please tell me that Indiana and Texas A&M aren't going to be playing in a playing game because I, I don't want that to happen here at the house. My wife is a is an Aggie; she's a Texas A&M fan. Although we were we were talking with our daughter yesterday, and she's like, "What what what do we do if Indiana plays Texas A&M?" And my wife and I both in unison: if it's basketball, <clears throat> cheering for Indiana; if it's football, we go with Texas A&M. <laughs> okay, it's just that's it's how it it's goes. It's important to outline the ground rules ahead of time. <laughs> so she, my daughter know, needs to know. <laughs> yeah, so that you know what's going on. I I'm with you. Yes. Um, but give us what's the latest. I mean, as you look at it. Yeah. So for as well as some of the results have, have gone for IU so far this week, um, today hasn't been probably as good, um, in terms of Texas A&M still alive in the sec. Now they're one that this is just their quarterfinals. They're on the same schedule as a big 10. So plenty of time for them to lose. I don't know that they would be in, even if they made it to the final and lost. So, um, and they play the winner, I think of LSU, Arkansas. So that's a team to root against. The other result that matters to IU today that's already happened is North Texas losing in Conference USA. They won the league outright. Um, I, I need to probably take another look at their resume. I had them as a 12 seed, so that kind of suggests they were on the fringe of being an at-large team. Um, but I don't know that they have the same level of um, you know high-end wins that maybe some others do, even some of the better teams in their league. I think they won at UAB and, and some of those kinds of things. So I don't, I don't know that they would be in, but they'd be right there. Uh, I am not yet sure whether that would be a two bid league potentially or not, but those are really the only two results that have happened today. I think one of the good things 
and it, it tends to be a position I use and I've found itself in always better to still be playing uh, in these scenarios when you're on the bubble, because you've still got opportunities versus some of these other teams. So you think about, you know, Xavier has been sitting around for two days, kind of hoping that things break their way and, and teams do that. And you're really out of your control. And I think that's a great place for IU to be is actually having uh, a bit of control over that in, in terms of, you know, being able to pick up another win and, and, uh, and some of that. So I, you know, I had him as the, I think second to last team in this morning, just ahead of Notre Dame, uh, based a little bit on the head-to-head uh, matchup there. I don't know that this, you know, again, depends a little bit what other people do. Does this really pull them out of potentially being in the the first four? That that remains to be seen a little bit. Um, they'll probably be right on the the brink of that for me. So I'll look at it all again tonight once everybody's done and kind of see how things are going. But uh, but certainly feeling a little more comfortable than I, I would have a couple of days ago, for sure. A much better brink to be on than the brink that we thought we were on earlier in the season. We will take it. Absolutely. That is for sure. All right. Well, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember to check out our friends at Home Field Apparel. Use the promo code HOME at checkout to get 15% off your first order. Uh, and do we know, I know we do, but uh, what what time is the game tomorrow? The uh, 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock Eastern. 1 o'clock uh, Eastern. Okay. We will be here uh, with yeah, the again unfamiliar show. with what actually happens uh, on Saturday <laughs> of the Big Ten tournament when it is. I'm usually been disgusted with the whole event for two days by the time Saturday rolls around. So uh, I did have to look because I wasn't sure. I thought it was early afternoon. So I was, I we've been played how many Saturday? We've done a couple of Saturday shows because like the 2013 team played on Saturday. They just lost the 2016. No, team. I don't. No, I don't think so. Did they? Yeah, because they were the number one seed and they won their first game. Then we uh, okay. lost to Wisconsin in the second round. Um, so I think we've played yeah, yeah. one or two Saturday. We just haven't won two games. So I got you. I got you. either way, man, just excited to be doing a third game in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. What a time to be alive. What, what a time to be alive, <laughs> man. What a season. I mean, just what the ups and downs of this season. But to see this team peaking at the right time is just so fun and so rewarding to watch. Uh, Andy, I'll go over to you. Last call. Just a, um, just an amazing turnaround. I, I think you you look at this season and the way that they've been inconsistent within games from game to game and whatever else. And the same thing is kind of held true uh, if you look at the overall Big Ten tournament experience, just in terms of the way they played early yesterday. But whatever switch was flipped at halftime uh, was really impressive for them to to maintain that level of effort today. I think it would have been easy, and I hope the same. I hope I can come on tomorrow and say the same thing that this isn't a complete exhale and be like, Oh, Hey, we, we did this. And then not to be able to come back and show that same level of fight tomorrow. And that's where, again, I thought the way they got started was really important. All five starters had scored not too long into the game, uh, had that good defensive stretch fairly, you know, in the first, first half of the first half um, and really thought they came out to play from the tip in, in a way that they've struggled to do at other times. And I, I hope that this becomes a case of really, really seeing what an infusion of confidence can do to a group that has not had a ton of reasons to have it. And, um, but I think you see some of that. We talked about that with X, just trying to drag guys along. I think there's more guys right now that feel like they're, um, you know, progressing toward that level of of confidence that he has seemingly all the time. And uh, so I think that it's interesting to see where they can go with that, because I think that, you know, in addition to having everybody healthy and all those kinds of things that we've talked about before, I think a team that has some confidence in, in being able to close out a close game or a couple close games in a row 
really, really raises at least the potential of what this team can be. Um, they always felt kind of hampered by their own mindset and their own um, dark history. And some of these times as you get into there and it, it, you know, maybe it's two games, maybe they haven't broken out of it. Maybe we're just too excited and, and don't know that. But I, I certainly hope um, that these couple games and the way they've won them uh, gives these guys some confidence to be able to do this. Cause in all likelihood, the, another close game is going to await tomorrow. I don't see anybody really running away from, uh, from anybody in this scenario. So, um, but I think being able to come off of some of those and have that recent experience to fall back on that says, Hey, we did this. We didn't collapse. We made plays, things went wrong. We bounced back and just moved on to the next play and made it. Um, hopefully that's the difference for this team and, uh, the difference for, you know, how this big turn 10, big 10 tournament experience is going to go. I'm just, I'm just so proud of this group of guys, you know, I mean, Trace Jackson Davis, Xavier Johnson, Race Thompson, Tamar Bates, Rob Finnessy, Jordan Geronimo, Trey Galloway, Michael Durr, Miller Cop, Parker Stewart, Anthony Leal, Christian Lander, the whole the whole group. Um, none of them have won anything meaningful in college basketball. You know, the older guys, the younger guys, and that's part of the reason, as we've said, you know, like this is part of the reason why this team is struggling to get over the hump because they're all trying to do it together and there's no one really to lead because no one's really done it before. And now you've got a coach who obviously has won things at the college level as a player, but not as a coach as he tries to learn it. And the whole season has been struggling through those ups and downs and you hit that skid in February and it looks like, you know, after a promising start, all the goals you set at the beginning of the season you're going to fall just frustratingly short of them. And then, you know, right before the final bell sounds on the season, this team figures things out. And over the last 60 minutes, you know, what we've been able to watch over the last 60 minutes has just been fun, inspiring basketball. And these guys are figuring it out together. The coach is figuring it out. The players are figuring it out. And they've won two really meaningful games. Now, they've got to win two more, you know, to have something that, you know, goes in in history uh, that, you know, gets put on a banner or that you you put in the trophy case. And so they're only halfway to doing that. But to win these two games that should propel you into the NCAA tournament, that means something. And I, I just I'm so I'm just so happy and proud as a fan to have watched these guys go through the ups and downs and come out of it on the other side, playing more together, harder and with more cohesion and chemistry and conviction in what they're doing than we've seen at any point during the season. Those are the most fun seasons to be a fan, even through all the ups and downs. And that's what this group is giving to us. And so I can't wait to watch tomorrow's game. Can't wait to break it down. Uh, and I know that you know everybody listening, all those of you who are going to be at the game, can't wait to go support this group. Uh, they have earned uh, you know the love and trust uh, and respect of this fan base. And Xavier Johnson with, you know, one of the quotes of the day, basketball in Indiana, basketball is Indiana. I love to play for Indiana and I'm glad I came here. I mean, what a perfect fit of a player that needed a change of scenery and needed a place that would embrace the way that he plays the game and for a program that needed a guy who plays the game the way that he does. Uh, There've been some ups and downs, but it's just, it's a beautiful thing right now. Xavier's playing great. Uh, giving us a lot to cheer for. The team is following his lead, and I'm excited to see where it goes now. So let's let's keep going. Let's keep winning. Ryan gives you permission to win the Big Ten tournament, so might as well go do it, right? <laughs> let's go do it. Uh, all right, that is going to do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, 
Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to join.assemblycall.com to join our free email newsletter. Special thank you to Bob Thompson for the music that you hear on the show. And special thank you to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing the logo. Thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again Saturday after Indiana's next game in the Big Ten Tournament. Until then. Take it from me, Robert Johnson. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. That was awesome. That that was, was awesome. good. <laughs> that was awesome. All right. Well, you got a busy uh, a busy weekend ahead of you. Oh my gosh! I don't know if it could be any worse than last night. I think I was up till two in the morning, and then I got up to be on with Chad this morning. So I, I sounded probably how I looked. I would guess, but um, uh, you are yeah, working a lot overtime. Of, uh, few, fewer games, fewer games today should help a little bit. But a lot of the semis and some of the major conferences are later. So we'll we'll see. But. Uh, Always more fun to at least have some IU involvement in the process as we go. So looks like Jen, I was up six. No, no, maybe not six and a half. Though. Jen Bottoms is the real hero of March, handling all the all the stuff that you have to neglect to uh, to do your bracketology work. This is this is true. This is true. <laughs> I did pretty good. I went to saw Mallory's play last night. Yeah, yeah I'm did. doing that again on Sunday afternoon. That's going to be uh, a little tricky. That's at four. So, although I don't, I'm not convinced the uh, those games matter. Now, if I use in the Big Ten championship game who knows what uh, who knows what that will uh will hold i'll certainly go to her play but that'll be tough to uh tough to miss so we'll see what happens but uh we will see oh well good to know that that's still an actually an option to be <laughs> yes. worried about at this point it, so I'll I've, take it. I've i've been waiting for potential scheduling conflicts on the weekend of the big 10 tournament just to try to have to deal with those usually yeah. you just kind of plan oh yeah i'll be open that weekend exactly exactly yeah, so all we need good. to do now is make sure that someone is uh keeping Jay in an undisclosed location so that he doesn't attempt to go to the game tomorrow. Um, I, I feel that his track record has not been the best if I recall. So uh, we just need to make sure that somebody is, uh, is, is watching him making sure that. Uh... By the way, uh, I've got to read an email here real quick that came into me uh, before, before the big 10 tournament started. Um, oh shoot. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? It is from, uh, it's from our friend, Bob Thompson. Um, oh shoot. I don't have the email. Anyway, Bob Thompson, who does the music for the show, uh, was gifted tickets to the big 10 tournament, but only for the Saturday and Sunday games. So he was like, wouldn't it be amazing if my first time going to the big 10 tournament and they make it and here the Hoosiers are making it. We think that's awesome. Bob Thompson deserves it. And so uh, we look forward to Agreed. hearing some stories Agreed. from Bob about cheering hard for the Hoosiers in the weekend at the Big Ten Tournament. Yeah. So that feels right, like the stars aligning for something yes, good. So I'm does. all for it. It does. Uh, all right. We will see you all tomorrow uh, right here after another Big Ten Tournament game. Have a great Friday night. And Andy, good luck with all the bractology stuff. Thank you. We'll talk tomorrow. All right. See y'all. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.